Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of Small Talk No More. I've got today with me Alessandra D'Alessio from Disa. Hello, Alessandra. Hi, Alex. Hey, thank you so much for joining. Um, for me. No, no worries. Um, just a really quick uh, confession to make. Alessandra and I have actually been talking for over an hour now. <laughs> and we kind of realized that we needed to do the interview. So... Um, there's not many places where we have to go, right? Exactly, yeah. And then without gigs, uh, yeah, it feels like we still have lockdown, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, Alessandra, would you like to kick it off just uh, explaining uh, who you are and what your experience is? Yeah, uh, well, I'm Alessandra D'Alessio, as you mentioned. And mm-hmm. I started my experience in music in Italy. I'm Italian and I used to work for a Marta label, which is an independent record label based in Rome, where I used to work as a booking agent and also helping out in terms of A&R scouting and so on. Then mm-hmm. in 2015, I moved to the UK. I graduated from the University of Westminster in music business management. was a oh. degree. And mm-hmm. uh, while studying at the university, I started doing an internship for Fat Cat Records, where I used to be their A&R scout and playlist curator. Uh, I curated a playlist for uh, one of their comps, uh, compilations. Basically, I was the person looking for the new interesting um, artists. I was the mm-hmm. one who curated um, the demo platform for the record label, which aimed to spotlight the best new artists from the independent scene, from uh, desperate music genres and subgenres. And mm-hmm. uh, after that, I joined Deezer, where I can really work uh, as a client support coordinator. So I started my experience at Deezer working with users, supporting them with any kind of query. And mm-hmm. then I was trained uh, in order to uh, work with tasks related to uh, catalog management. So mm-hmm. I'm personally in charge for my team for client support um, um, for any query coming from independent artists, uh, labels, uh, managers, uh, and, uh, and distributors, uh, if there's uh, any question about how to set up um a page for them how to move the discography if they end up in the wrong uh artist page uh and so on mm-hmm. i remember you've got your own label so tell me yeah. a bit about your label yeah it's that's records and i set it up last year so it's a very 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 small and brand new record label basically my experience with that um started uh, because um, I was helping out uh, a band which I discovered uh, through Fat Cat Records because I used to be the a scout and playlist curator for Fat mm. Cat Records and so this thing gave me it was a, an internship but it gave me the chance to get in touch with amazing amazing artists and uh, there were some of them I really liked uh, I kept in touch with and uh, one of them uh, whose name is uh, Kill Your Boyfriend, uh, got in touch uh, a couple of years ago and they said, uh, Alessandra, we have this album. Uh, we would like to find a record label who wants to release it. I had a listen and say, all right, guys, this album is great. Uh, I want to help you. But the point mm-hmm. is that uh, the band was based in Italy and they mm-hmm. have been releasing music for a long time, which nowadays is a big uh, 
problem if you don't yeah. fortunately if you don't keep on releasing music uh, given the abundance of uh, artists and releases it might be a problem so basically i was trying to find a way to help my five a record label because uh, they were based in italy they wanted to be in the uk in the uk in order to get spotlighted uh, and get noticed uh, by a record label they were supposed to play in order to play like shows uh, promoters wanted to listen to recent releases their music you know? yeah so they they found themselves in this kind of situation they couldn't find a solution i said guys the only thing is to release something pick one of the tracks from your album your upcoming album you're trying to find a label for and put it out press a single a seven inch let's do something in terms of promotion let's start getting uh, like shows in the uk and let's see mm-hmm. what's gonna happen but uh, yeah, releasing a seven-inch nowadays a single is a crazy idea. You have to be crazy for doing something like this. And it was pretty hard to find somebody who wanted, was happy to invest in such a mm. challenge. And uh, so I came to the conclusion, okay, if people don't want to do so, I will do that. <laughs> and yeah. I decided, yeah, and I say, I'm going to release uh, this seven-inch for you. Let's do something particular also in terms of uh, colors uh, in terms of artwork uh, let's find uh, um, a remix for the b-side uh, and i managed to mm. find um, to get the remix of the track uh, by um, preoccupations guitarist danny christ you know yeah mm. which are a quite big band in terms of uh, psychedelic rock and so this is how I set up my record label to help them out. And uh, I have to say that I was super happy. It was successful. They managed to get loads of gigs here in the UK mm-hmm. and to get noticed by a record label, which is based in Manchester. And mm-hmm. Sister Nine, who signed them, and uh, they're going to release their label, uh, sorry, their album, the whole album on Sister Nine in cooperation with another label based in the US, which is Little Cloud. So we're super happy because uh, they made it to, to get notice from a broader uh, environment. Yeah. We linked to the Italian market only. Yeah. And yeah, it was great because uh, I decided to start these. These uh, labels started mainly from uh, development purposes, you know. What I mm. wanted to do is to help the band uh, get noticed uh, in a broader landscape in the UK, in the US, uh, as it happened, fortunately. So my goal was uh, to help them make it uh, and release an album uh, which could uh, reach uh, a broader global uh, audience rather than hmm. the Italian one so and uh, that's my it was my very first release I'm working on other releases and my goal uh, is not only to put up records uh, to release music but to help the artists to bring them from a smaller to a bigger as long as it's possible audience hmm. there's more uh, terms of development I love uh, uh, curating also uh, not only the recording side but also the development and the management side yeah they really have the artists to grow yeah no i think that's a really good point um i i want to answer a couple of things there so putting out a seven inch i think is actually really interesting because um one of the guys that i work with he um, he's obviously a scratch dj so he had to put out 
vinyls. Every single release is, you know, there's always a, a vinyl going out with it. So in this case, it was a bit different because it was just part of a Kickstarter campaign. Yeah. But um, he managed to sell, I think it was like 70 or 80% of the production of the seven inch vinyls. Cool. That's, that, that, was, that was probably somewhere around like 600, 700, seven inch. But all of them were sold in Taiwan, essentially the southeast of Asia. Um, and it seems that they are really big vinyl collectors down there. Um, otherwise, here in the UK, like barely anyone actually got the seven inch. So I completely understand the fact that you say this quite crazy to do because it's true. And the fact that you managed to get these guys some performances last year, I think it's a perfect timing because this year has been an absolute fuck up. And, um, you know, for example, I've got, um, I, I set up my own label um, during lockdown because one of the girls that I work with, she um, were releasing music, but obviously, you know, there was a small budget and, you know, mastering and sending a promotion and all of that. So what I did is I put some budget outside, paying for masters. Uh, so we've got three masters coming out. One of them is coming out on 9th of October. Mm. And then uh, the whole point was like, okay, so now we need to perform. What the hell do we do? Um, and it's been a really interesting journey, to be honest, because. Uh, we tried absolutely everything. We tried Twitch, maybe like 10 viewers. We tried Instagram, probably 100 viewers. So really, really little. People were really not engaged on that front. And it was really challenging, especially during the time that everyone was going online and they were trying to you know, attract all this audience, blah, blah, blah. And it was quite frustrating because this girl has a few thousand followers on Instagram. And then seeing that only probably 80 or 100 people would actually join for at least five minutes. It was kind of heartbreaking. And um, we actually tried a complete different platform, which is Reddit. And just last night, we got 192,000 viewers, wow. which were, was absolutely insane. Yeah. And we're getting like, we never go lower than 80,000 people watching, Yeah, which is absolutely incredible. But now... What the whole point is sorry what kind of music it's um i mean she's alternative pop but obviously during the live streaming she's doing everything acoustic so piano and voice mm. and this is something that i'm trying to explore and i'm i'm, I'm trying to talk to booking agents and promoters and trying to understand how do you are you going to value or how are you going to measure which artists are you going to book next year when performances are a bit more normalized based on the fact that no one was performing live this year? And will all of this effort that people are putting onto the live stream, will that be actually useful? I have to say that not all artists are keen on this kind of a new promotion tools. So yeah. not all artists are keen on doing be social. This is a big problem, for instance. <laughs> As regards the genre that... Um, general of my label and uh, kill your boyfriend and so on it's a kind of music where people uh, need to go and see yeah the band you know rather than connecting and being social 
I mean, mm. uh, it's quite would be very interesting to see the kind of targets, the kind of people, the kind their own characters. You know, it seems that you you've got a very clear passion for everything that's got to do with music, and uh, in particular the fact that you're dealing on a daily basis with independent artists and managers and at the same time you're also developing independent talent so yeah. i think it's really really refreshing the fact that you not just work in music but also have made music your lifestyle yeah since i was a child i started hmm. at the age of nine and uh, after so many years yeah i'm still super passionate and about artist development uh, supporting mm-hmm. artists helping them getting heard in such a challenging period, which is characterized mm. by abundance, you know? Yeah. Through the digital era, um, era, everybody can release music, so there's a lot of music out there. And it's, yeah. uh, on a hand, it's uh, quite good because uh, you don't have to be signed to a record label in order to mm. release the music, but on the other hand, uh, everybody can release music. So Yeah. It's so hard to make it to get heard. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I think that this is something very challenging and exciting as well. Yeah, and um, just uh, before we jump on the uh, usual game that I always do, uh, the stuff uh, or interviews, uh, you mentioned that you started age of nine, and um, was it with instruments? Uh, were you singing? What was what brought you into your your interest in, in music? I've never played anything, and so people, my friends who know how mm. passionate I am about music, say, "How is it possible that you've never played anything?" I tried. I gave a try with guitar, but it yeah, was, it was not that successful, you know. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, and uh, but I started at age of nine uh, because of Queen. Oh, yeah. Okay. Queen was my very first. This band was my big love of my life when I was super young. Mm. And uh, yeah, when I heard her for the very first time, Queen, I fell in love with music. And then I started. I was lucky enough because uh, I have a brother who is five years older than me. Mm-hmm. And in that period, so I used to deal uh, more with him and his friends who were all passionate about music rather than. Okay people of my age so I started being involved in these listening listening sessions at home we still mm-hmm. had these so it was before the digital era and mm-hmm. friends of, um, where people used to come and uh, listening to CDs all together and share CDs and so, mm-hmm. on. so I started listening to uh, Nirvana to the so-called grunge scene it's nice. a label that I don't really like <laughs> because I think that it encompasses two different bands and so to mention for instance uh, yeah, Nirvana uh, Soundgarden, Melvins uh, the noise scene from New York Sonic Youth mm. uh, and then I started listening to pretty much everything and uh, post-punk, uh, dark wave uh, electronic mm-hmm. music so this is how my passion for me, for music started. <laughs> really interesting, um, especially seeing how your your tastes um, kind of shaped up from starting with Queen and then moving it on to something that's a bit darker. So yeah, uh, my big yeah, no. <laughs> really interesting. Um, I mean, I I always find this quite 
amusing just because, for example, the way that I got introduced to music was, you know, with piano lessons. I was two years old. I didn't know how to write or even talk. And then my mom put me to, uh, to learn piano. And uh, then I had all these weird influences where my, you know, I've got an older brother who's 11 years older than me and he had a taste for music. It was kind of weird. And then I had my sister who was five years older than me. And then she was into more Latin American type of music. Mm -hmm. And I would go to music school to learn classical music. And, uh, you know, at some point I kind of asked my mom, what do you like? And my mom said, I like this type of music. And it was all like Guns N' Roses and Aerosmith. And it was music that I had never listened to. And I'm guessing because my mom was kind of scared to say, I don't want my, my son to move away from the classical world. That would be good for him. And that that was the end of it. I, as soon as I started listening to all this music, started going from Guns N' Roses to, uh, you know, a bit darker little by little. And I ended up listening to really heavy um, metal bands. At the same time as I was a freak, I was listening to all these hip hop tracks. Um, so, yeah, it's really interesting how music tastes evolve uh, since we're kids into what yeah. we listen now. Yeah. Absolutely. So, um, hey, let's move on to a quick game so then everyone can get to know you a little bit yeah. better. So it's uh, really short questions with uh, short answers as well. Are you ready? Yeah. Cool. So let's get started. Number one is favorite song or album? This is very hard because I have many. So if you're looking for a quick question, it's going to be hard. But if I have to be quick, I would say never mind. Nirvana's never mind for the mm. impact it has had in my life. My music taste, vision of the world, mm. really what I am. Awesome. So next is, mm -hmm. do you prefer mornings or evenings? Evenings. All life long. Good. Welcome to the team. Everyone says mornings. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. Um, next, uh, cats or dogs? Well, I'd say dogs, uh, although I had to learn loving cats as well. Living in London, mm -hmm. uh, it's impossible not loving cats as well. <laughs> <laughs> Does that mean that you've got a cat now? My flatmate does. And awesome. yeah, I fell in love with nice. cats, although I'm more a kind of a dog person. Okay. Um, are you looking to get a dog at some point? Yes. Why not? I hope so. <laughs> but now at the moment I have, uh, I enjoy having uh, this cat at home. She's lovely. She's a kind of, she looks more like uh, a dog than a cat, according to the way she behaves, you know, she's super. More playful and yeah, stuff. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Sometimes I say, you're just a, a dog and you don't know it, but you look like a cat. Okay. <laughs> Cool. Um, okay, so uh, moving on, are you more of a dreamer or are you more realistic? Dreamer, forever and ever. Awesome. <laughs> Great. Uh, do you prefer music or traveling? This question hinders me because I love traveling. Yeah. But uh, I think that I could still live without traveling, even though it's very hard for me, but not without music. So, mm -hmm. yeah, cool. I said, yeah. It's a very hard question for me because it's not, but music more. I love music more than traveling, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, moving on, uh, do, are you into horror or do you prefer romantic comedy? Absolutely horror. Horror, I love <laughs> really? all sorts, especially silent horror movies such as, I don't know, Nosferatu, The Cabinet of Dr. Caligari, mm. horror films, uh, as well as, uh, for instance, The Capital, Prince of Darkness, 
or George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, uh, The Exorcist, so everything. And there are also movies which are strictly connected to my music taste, I would say. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, then I'd like to know what's your favorite band? This is so hard. It's not going to be quick. There's too many. <laughs> As mentioned, into music of all sorts of genres and subgenres. So I would say Nirvana, Nine Inch Nails, Judy Vision, My Bloody Valentine. But if I have to pick one, mm. I will still say Nirvana, still for the impact that they've had mm. in my life. Who's someone that you would not take to a desert island with you? Not. Uh huh. You want me to go political? <laughs> <laughs> but you asked, so I'm gonna. Answer. Of course, you can cut this if you don't like. But it's Matteo no, Salvini, which is the Italian. It's an Italian politician who's mm-hmm. the deputy prime minister of Italy uh-huh. and minister of the interior till September 2019. So, if you wonder why, you can just Google, and you will find out why. <laughs> I think I'm gonna keep this. I, I I would have gone political as well, but um, obviously not on the Italian politics. But 100% respect. Um, two more questions. One is, do you prefer Tom or Jerry? I would say Jerry. He always finds a way to make it. Interesting. Okay. Uh, final question is, what's the best thing about working in music? Well, I think that it's the union of passion and challenges. I mean, having the chance to work for an hobby for something that I have always been passionate about and mm. having my record label, which gives me the chance to work on behalf of artists that I've always been a fan of, first of all. Mm-hmm. I would say that the best thing about working in music is being a part of a, cre- of a creative and challenging environment made of passionate mm. people which is continuously evolving these days, these years, uh, as never before. And also seeing it uh, changing and evolving, uh, evolving sorry, every day. Hmm. Okay, really interesting. Um, I think that it's um, obviously very clear, like I mentioned earlier, that you, you've, you've got really uh, stable path not stable path let me say that again uh, I, like i said earlier it, it's more that you you've had music and, and the passion for music imprinted on your entire life and the yeah. fact that you've made it your your complete lifestyle yeah. is um, I, I think it's remarkable and it's um, really important to understand that um Creative industries and, and, you know, in particular music, uh, because that's what we're talking about here, is the fact that it's it's about a passion. It's not something that you can do without having passion for it. It's not a usual, your usual admin job or, you know, you apply for a usual job, and, I don't know, in, in an office in in the city of London or working for a bank. or It, it has to be something that you're truly passionate about. Yeah. And of course it's it's also a challenge. Um you know, you, you, you it's constantly a, a climb. And like you mentioned earlier, there's a lot of music being put out. There's obviously the opportunity for small artists to get noticed, but at the same time, there's a lot of people to get noticed. So it's it's a constant challenge. So I'm yeah, I can I can relate to your answer there. Um 
so yeah, really interesting, Alessandra. So uh, let's move on to some a bit more challenging questions then. Mm-hmm. And um, I think we already spoke about uh, how, you know, the whole year has been. It's been a bit challenging for um, musicians and obviously the, the music industry in general to um, adapt quickly to what was going on. So I would actually like to understand from your perspective what you think is uh, a good opportunity for anyone working in the industry, whether they're musicians or professionals. What do you think is a good opportunity for them ahead of what's coming in the next few months? Um, Is there anything that they should look out for or any particular thing they should be doing now to then benefit as soon as we come out of lockdown? Well... In terms of new opportunities, you mean? Mm -hmm. Mm, I think that the pandemic has created new ways to engage with fans. Mm -hmm. Some of them basically already existed, but have been boosted by the pandemic. I mean, uh, artists, for instance, are going direct to fans uh, from their own homes. So Mm -hmm. this is something definitely which is not new, but the pandemic has expanded the audience available, you have now the chance uh, as an artist, for instance, to reach people from all around the world in a mm-hmm. kind of, how can I say, immediate and easy way. So basically, mm-hmm. streaming platforms uh, have also enabled kind of new monetization methods, uh, including members to artist channels uh, that allow early or even exclusive access to content, as well as virtual gatherings uh, and paying commenting figures and so on. Not mm-hmm. to mention, for instance, also the power of social media, which is, in my, which, in my opinion, represents an excellent opportunity for artists, especially for small acts, and which has offered new opportunities itself during mm-hmm. the pandemic. Now, I would say that, as probably never before, people need to gather virtually, I mean, online, and they do so via social media. So virtual events, mm. like, and uh, kind of live streams that represent to this extent a very interesting way to be close to mm-hmm. fans uh, and to create, uh, strengthen and keep a relationship with them despite the live show being uh, basically cancelled. But it's also interesting, I think, to see how this brings the fans uh, to a more, how can I say, domestic and personal mm-hmm. sphere of the artist, uh, which is something I'm sure fans uh, appreciate and love. I find that, for instance, also... What Angel Olsen has done, uh, but this is something that uh, also other artists have started doing, like, uh, for instance, Idols started doing last week uh, to support the release of their latest album. Mm. Uh, the thing that, for instance, um, she, I mean, um, Angel Olsen has launched uh, the so called uh, um, Cosmic Stream series, which mm. are uh, an interesting way to see what new challenges and opportunities have arisen from. Uh, the COVID setback. In this mm. case, for instance, it's a way to promote her release via live streams that can work in different, uh, how can I say, kind of packages. For instance, fans can buy the ticket for the stream, for the live uh, performance only, mm. or uh, the ticket plus download or ticket for the performance plus download of the um, of the album. Oh, interesting. Physical release. Mm. So, and uh, what is interesting is that in the case of Angel for, in- uh, for instance, the part of the amount uh, is going to go to an organization which aims to eliminate you know, racism, 
and uh, empowering women mm. uh, and so on. Or you can think about, for instance, what Tim Burgess did uh, on Twitter, this kind of listening parties. So, so basically they mm-hmm. make an album and they listen together with artists and fans. So, and uh, at a given time, for instance, evenings, I think that, yeah, it's between... The so like that music exchange that you were doing when you were a kid, like just people gathering together, exactly. but just online yeah. and it's just exchanging music. Yeah, it's just brought to a different... Uh, uh, environment which is virtual is not like a meeting up at home guys I have this record let's have a listen together just yeah. meeting up online and uh, mm-hmm. just have this kind of appointment where you can stream an album all together and there's also this Q&A which um, this kind of commentary and uh, it's great because uh, it's global they can reach out to Mm. Very broad uh, audience are coming from all around the world. And mm-hmm. on the other hand, it's a great way to relaunch uh, the, the full album, playing yeah. the album in its entirety. And also discovering things that you might not know about that, because it's just this uh, global community, virtual community, meeting up and sharing news or uh, things you don't know, information you've never heard about mm-hmm. the album and discovering more about that. So I think that this all represents uh, new, interesting, challenging opportunities, uh, which mm-hmm. are brought by something that if you consider, I mean, something negative, which is the COVID. Uh, it's uh, very interesting to see how something negative has triggered new ways to to share and to promote mm-hmm. music. Do you think that this has been a great time for... Uh artists and especially bigger artists and superstars to be humanized the fact that they were at their homes and then people were able to um you know like what you mentioned yeah, the listening the parties the, it, fair, uh, yeah the domestic environment sharing the domestic i mean uh, people uh, you see a bigger artist uh, in the past you go also, you go only buy the ticket uh, for the gig or buy the album yeah. or seeing them on tv now you see you see them playing from home i mean in their house yeah way to yeah humanize even though it sounds weird because it's still by a virtual tool Mm. to humanize uh, the artists and uh, setting up uh, a direct relationship with them yeah a more direct 100% direct but more human more direct uh, relationship with them I think that it's very interesting Mm. no I think that's a very good point and um, again I do I do think that all of these opportunities especially the fact that you're able to engage with people uh in this sort of way um humanized has humanized absolutely everyone for example back in the day i would have been really really nervous to probably talk to a big executive in a in a big company and you know would have had to prepare it a lot and I, i will you know, just try to make sure that I'm not sounding, uh, you know, like an absolute stupid person. And uh, I was very fortunate to, for example, like I mentioned yesterday, I interviewed John Ozier, uh, who's the executive vice, vice president from Reservoir. Mm-hmm. And um, I think that the opportunity that this offered, which is, you know, just talking to someone via video, um, has humanized absolutely everyone, not just artists, but also people that you might think, oh, I really look up to this person. And 
instead of like being nervous and like oh i'm gonna shit my pants it's more like <laughs> yeah we are we are face to face you know and like we yeah. we are more equal than than what we thought so yeah i think it's um it's really interesting especially knowing um yeah the the fact that people are just able to say you know i'm, I'm a human i want to listen to this album you know let's sit down and, and just share like yeah, I know, that it 20 minutes up. or one hour together i think it was uh it used to be an un- how can i say it? i like trend which mm-hmm. had boosted uh, by the covid pandemic it was something yeah. that already existed and it was then boosted because of lockdown mm-hmm. yeah no absolutely uh something that i really liked is the fact that uh sophie taco is this duo that I really, really like. And they've got this really close community. And just a couple of days ago, they were watching a basketball game all together. Yeah. So that's what's really, really interesting. It's like not about music anymore. It's the fact that I'm an artist. I like sports. Guys, come join me. I'm going to be in my living room. Let's all watch it together and just talk about it. And they got all these people joining on a video call. And it's like, again, it's. I find that really, really interesting because in any other time, you will never go into an artist's home to talk to them about, you know, things yeah. that are not related to the new music. But now you've got these young artists saying, hey, you like basketball. Let's watch the game together. And you're already, in some sort of way, you're already sitting with them watching the game. So, yeah, I think that there's really interesting opportunities coming up um, thanks to this humanization of, of of musicians absolutely yeah Hmm. um i'd like to ask you one more thing so you uh you mentioned there's um uh, artists that are offering certain packages and some of the benefits are going to uh certain courses like um fighting racism and obviously this year we've had the black lives matter movement and we had the blackout tuesday etc so i'd like to know what was uh, your role in Disa's role during this time and how did it affect Disa and how, you know, what did you implement to make sure that there were set measures to, you know, support a cause that was to fight racism? First of all, I would like to mention that it's very interesting and important to underline how all companies coming from both, uh, belonging to both majors and small indies have gathered together with initiatives mm which uh, uh, aim to create uh, awareness about racism, social injustice, and uh, keep the killing of black people. Uh, I think, uh, I, mean, I mean, for instance, uh, the show must be paused uh, and this kind mm-hmm. of initiatives. Uh, and uh, it's definitely something which has always been happening and is finally being brought to a kind of a broader awareness ever. Mm-hmm. And uh, as regards uh, the contribution that these are, has given to to this extent, uh, I will mention uh, that there has been a, a very big support from this uh, by setting up a channel which is focused on uh, music coming from the black community. So basically, mm-hmm. this channel aims to spotlight uh, black, not only black artists, but also yeah. composers and creators uh, mm. coming from the black community. And it's a channel which is managed by our um, Head of uh, Artist Marketing, which is Junior Foster. It would be great to have uh, even more insights from him. 
And mm-hmm. uh, what I find very interesting is that this channel is not only based uh, on the black community itself, but also on other kind of subcategories, if you can mm-hmm. use the right word, which belong to the black um, to the black community. For instance, mm-hmm. there's this playlist which is based to spotlight or music um, from the hip hop scene, which is the called uh, hip hop queers, which mm-hmm. aims to spotlight uh, all music which is related not only to the black community but also to the LGBTQ. Interesting. Uh, yeah, branch of the black community. So it's mm. great to see how much attention Adisa has. Had paid, has paid not only to um, the black community, but also to the all these other minorities, which belong mm-hmm. to the broader black community. Cool. Really interesting. I actually think that's really, really interesting, especially the fact that you guys are offering support like, uh, directed to that you know, group of people which is the LGBTQ within the black community. So really interesting, you know. Yeah. I'd like to just wrap it up with some tips from you. So I usually end all the interviews asking uh, our guests to give the top three tips about a particular topic. So in this case, I'd like to know what are your top three tips for musicians? All right. I would say, first of all, I will give as a suggestion, I would say, be unique. I mean, of mm-hmm. the style and what can make you stand out of the crowd, uh, starting from the name of your project. I mean, this might sound silly, but it's not. Uh, when, uh, um, as I mentioned, uh, I work uh, with uh, independent artists every day mm-hmm. who get in touch because, uh, for instance, uh, they release a uh, Handed up on another band who has the same name. And this is kind of trigger. I asked myself, I said, how do they expect to, to get noticed uh, if there are mm-hmm. other 20 people having the same name? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, you know, so this makes me think that the first, um, the first uh, suggestion I would give them is just to try and be unique, find mm-hmm. your style and what makes you stand out of the crowd mm-hmm. second one would be to find someone who knows how the industry works i mean not mm-hmm. in terms of, not only in terms of music itself from the creative side but just how the music business work yeah believe them even if sometimes what they say don't exactly match your ideal expectations but just mm-hmm. trust in them and the last but not least be humble always Thank you so much, Alessandra, for um, this incredible chat. And um, Thank you for inviting me. No, a, a pleasure. And um, yeah, hopefully, you know, I'll be able to, to see you soon as soon as uh, everything's a bit more relaxed. <laughs> hopefully very soon. <laughs> yeah. Maybe at a gig. Yeah, I mean, that'll be amazing, to be honest. And thank you everyone for joining for another chat at Small Talk No More. I'll see you again next week. Mm-hmm.